Hello there and welcome to Fabulous Folklore, the podcast for all things folklore, occult and just a bit weird. I'm your host Icy Cedric, blogger, fantasy author and your guide into these rather mysterious realms. I've got some rare things to show you, so come on in, take a look around, but be careful not to touch anything. These things sometimes bite. Well hello there, welcome to Fabulous Folklore with Icy. Uh, Welcome back. If this is not your first trip to these parts, this month we've been looking at the King in the Mountain folklore trope, um, which just makes a bit of a change from the other stuff that we've looked at before where we've looked at specific things. So I thought it was quite nice to look at a trope, as in something that appears again and again throughout folklore. And as part of that, that was episode 12, if you want to learn more about what that trope actually is. So we've had Frederick Barbarossa sleeping beneath a German mountain, We've had King Arthur, who's been asleep under Sewing Shields Castle in Northumberland, and Sir Francis Drake, who's apparently awaiting the summons of his drum near Plymouth. Now, I could find loads of examples of heroes who are waiting somewhere to be recalled to fight for their nation, but I thought, no, we've already looked at some slightly different ones, because obviously Francis Drake invented his own legend. So this week, we're going to have a look at Bran the Blessed, which is another slightly different take on the story. So, who is Bran the Blessed? Well, in Celtic mythology, he's the son of a sea god, and he's also the Celtic god of regeneration. His name means crow, and he's symbolised by the raven. Now, that will become important later on. For others, he's a giant, and he's a king in Welsh mythology. Some people think he was actually king of Britain at one point. He appears in the Mabinogion, or Welsh legends, which I've probably pronounced really badly, so apologies if that's the case. And these Welsh legends come from two medieval Welsh manuscripts. One dates to around 1350, the other between 1382 and 1410. And there's various stories that appear in these manuscripts and they dovetail together and they cross over and so on. But we're just going to focus on one small part because it's a huge topic. So we're going to have a look in this one at how Bran's legend dovetails with the King in the Mountain story. So there will be bits that I will be missing out because they're not part of this. So, let's have a look at the backstory first. There's an Irish king who asks Bran if he can marry Bran's sister, Branwen. And Bran agrees because it's a good way to create a union between Britain and Ireland. And this is what always kills me when you get people going, oh, I want to be treated like a princess. And I always think you're just basically there to cement marriages. That's not really a good thing to aspire to, but whatever. And in this story, everything would have gone fine if it wasn't for Anifsian, Bran's half-brother. He's quite annoyed about not also being consulted about the engagement, and then in a fit of rage, he mutilates the Irish king's horses. As you can imagine, that naturally offends him. Now, to soothe the situation, Bran gives the Irish king a cauldron that can bring the dead back to life. This makes sense, given Bran's control over regeneration. And there are lots of other magic cauldrons in Celtic myth, which we may look at at some point in a future post. But for now, we're focusing on brands. Some people have even suggested that there's a link between the cauldron and the Holy Grail, but there are more links with Arthur later on in this episode. So, back to Bran. Having received one of the most unusual wedding gifts of all, Branwen and her new husband go back to Ireland. And once there, Branwen has a son, Gwern. Trouble is, the Irish are still troubled by Inifsian's insult against the Irish king, and he ends up banishing Branwen to the castle kitchen, 
she's mistreated on a daily basis she's more or less becomes one of the help and she manages to tame a bird some people have said a starling some people have said a sparrow and she sends word to Bran via this bird that she's obviously not being treated particularly well he heads to Ireland with his army to rescue his sister a huge battle ensues and during this point Anifsian actually destroys the cauldron because he realises that the Irish are resurrecting their fallen soldiers and obviously that basically means that they've got a limitless supply of fighters but by going in the cauldron himself and destroying it from the inside he also sacrifices himself. Only seven men survive this huge battle and Bran is not one of them. He's actually mortally wounded but he instructs his men to take his head back to Britain. And this is where the story moves away from Branwen and back towards Bran. So Bran's head entertains these seven survivors for seven years back in Wales. And then they all end up moving to a new hall where they all settle quite nicely. One of the doorways faces Cornwall and for some reason Bran warns them that he won't be able to keep helping them if that door is ever opened. So for around 80 years they all live together quite happily, unaware of the passage of time, and life's grand. Obviously because it's folklore and people always do what they're not supposed to, somebody ends up opening the door that faces Cornwall. Bran falls silent, which he did say he would do, and they lose the benefit of his wisdom. In the process, they also realise quite how much time has passed beyond the walls of the hall. Now the group move on to the Gwynfran, which is otherwise known as the White Hill. In here, they bury Bran's head facing France to help repel invaders. And a lot of people think this is the site where the Tower of London now stands. But why a talking head? Unlike the Egyptians, who believed that the soul resided in the heart, and that was why you kept it in your body even after you'd been mummified, the Celts believed that the soul resided in the head. So some Celtic tribes would actually remove the heads of their enemies as talismans during wartime. I've actually got an entire blog post about the severed head in folklore if you're interested in reading more and I will put the link in the show notes so that you can go and check that out. But now we're getting into the part of the story that concerns us and the King of the Mountain. So the folklore claims that no one will invade Britain while Bran's head remains beneath the White Tower. And some people wonder if this is where the legends of keeping ravens at the tower originally came from. So remember back at the start of this episode I told you that Bran's name means crow or raven and that was a symbol. Well, you can make the connections for yourself. However, I should point out, it's a slight little interjection here, there have been instances where there have been no ravens at the tower and everything's been fine. So make of that what you will. Anyway, other legends claim that it was King Arthur who actually dug up Bran's head and in these stories, the somewhat arrogant Arthur reckons that the country only needs his strength for protection from the Saxons. Alternative discussions say that he did it as a form of reasserting his own power to sort of put himself above Celtic superstition. And Alden Gregory, writing for Historic Royal Palaces, points out that if the story were true, Bran's head did nothing to prevent invasion from France in 1066. And somewhat ironically, these invading Normans built the White Tower in the first place. So they essentially replaced the protection offered by Bran's head with the protection offered by a 90 foot tall stone tower. But anyway, other versions of the story do point out that Bran protected Britain from invasion by Saxons, not Normans. But if you think about where Arthur fits into historiography and so on, many historians put Arthur in the 5th or 6th century. And if he was real, did he dig up Bran's head? Well, it would explain how the Normans managed to invade. 
But this is where the myth becomes confusing. Because some people think Bran asked his men to bury his head under Tower Hill. Now in scenario A, that means he knew someone would build a tower there one day. And his followers buried his head before the Normans ever arrived. Which means that he basically failed to prevent an invasion. Unless, as I said before, it's because it's only against Saxons, not Normans. In scenario B, his men buried his head there after the Normans built the tower, which explains why he didn't repel the invading Normans, but it also makes it impossible for Arthur to have dug it up. So, is Bran a king in the mountain? Well, yes and no. He's not a king in the Frederick Barbarossa sense of the term, because he's not waiting in or under a mountain to come back at some point, but he has, however, lived on through legend, and obviously, as I say, there are other superstitions around items in or around London that are supposed to stop the city from falling. The London Stone is another good example. Whether Bran continues to protect Britain really depends on your belief in the power of his head. And it also depends on where you think his head ended up. So if you think it's still there, then the heroic king pretty much has continued his protection because apart from 1066, we haven't been invaded. If on the other hand, you think his head was thrown into the sea, as some people have suggested, then we're potentially in trouble. Although that said, if he's still facing France, does it really matter where it is? Who knows? But anyway, that is the story of Bran the Blessed. I hope you found it interesting. I think the part I'm surprised about more than anything is quite how many magical objects seem to be under Britain or in Britain somewhere, apparently protecting the country from all manner of nefarious things. Whether they work against more modern forms of threat, I've no idea, but I guess we'll find out. We are going to be moving on to a new theme next month. I haven't decided what it is yet, so make sure that you come back next week and find out what next week's episode is about, by which point I will have decided. I hope you've enjoyed that, and I will see you soon. Cheerio! Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. If you did, feel free to subscribe using whichever podcast app it is that you prefer. If you do use iTunes, if you could leave me a review, that would be fab. Basically, it just means iTunes are more likely to recommend this to other people. And if you're interested in more folklore, please feel free to swing by my blog, which is www.icsedgwick.com, and that's Sedgwick spelled S-E-D-G-W-I-C-K. And you can find all of the links, images, and other bits and pieces that hopefully you enjoy. So have an absolutely fab week ahead, and I'll see you soon. Cheerio!